Hello and welcome to All Sorts of Thoughts. I'm Ray and I use they them pronouns and I'm here today with two new hosts for you. Would you like to introduce yourselves? I'm Felice and I take they them pronouns. And I'm Jen and I take she her pronouns. So today, the main part of our podcast is going to be an interview with the founder of All Sorts Youth Project. But first of all, I want to ask you guys, what's your favourite thing to do in the winter? Because it's getting really cold now and it's rainy and it can be a bit gross. So what's your favourite warm, cosy thing that you do in like the winter months? Just curling up with tea and books and pretending that it isn't a gale outside. It's one of my favourite things to be sitting inside with the rain on the windows and it's loud and you're curled up under a blanket with a really good book and a cup of tea. It's one of my favourite things as well. I also really like going out for walks. I mean, I also love curling up with books in bed all day, but walks are good. <laughs> the colours in autumn wintertime are incredible and like when it's, oh, when it's like a crispy day, so like the sun's come up and you're walking through a field and the dew has like frozen onto the grass leaves and they go crunch when you walk on them. That's our best why (laughs) it just it sounds really good and like the air is so crisp i don't know it's great you can wrap yourself up in like coats and scarves and blankets and then go into the outside world On this episode of All Sorts of Thoughts, we're going to be talking to Jess, the founder and director of All Sorts Youth Project. I'm personally really excited to talk to her about the way All Sorts has grown as a charity over the past 20 years. All Sorts is only just a little bit younger than me, which is insane to think about, but I'm really excited to learn about what it was like when it first started and where it's got to go in the future. Like, that's going to be really cool to see. It's also going to be really nice to talk about maybe the way in which the world has changed and all sorts maybe now is being used in a different way than it was when it was first started because young LGBTU people now need different things. That's going to be cool to talk about. Everybody, I am now here with Jess, the founder of All Sorts. Jess, I have a very important question for you. Oh dear. If you were stranded on a desert island, what three pairs of socks would you take with you? Oh no. Well, I think it's important that you know that I have a drawer full of maybe, I don't know, 100 pairs of socks. Socks for every occasion. For every occasion and for every outfit. Oh. Um, so I think, well, I, I think I'd have to take these hedgehog socks that I am they wearing. They are incredible socks. But I know it's going to be hard for you to believe, but I have a very similar pair that have foxes running around them. But so I think the ones I'd have to have because there'll be long, lonely nights on my desert island are my starship socks that have planets and starships and pink and bright yellow. I mean, don't you think that's <gasps> going to keep my spirits up? You're just going to look down at your little socked toes and you're going to feel so yeah. happy and warm yeah. and full yeah. of joy. Yeah. And I'm going to blend in with a jungly area that I'm in. And, yeah, you'll and find the animals will love me. that match. Yeah, oh, it's going to be will. amazing. Oh. When, when are we doing this? I don't know. We'll, we can sort it out. We'll get okay. you, we'll get you okay. on, get me on that transport desert to a desert island. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so 
And we're going to ask you some questions today about mm -hmm. all sorts. And I'm really interested in why you started all sorts, because there can often be quite a big difference between knowing that something needs to exist and saying, actually, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to make this. This is going to happen. And I'm going to be the one to do it. And where did that energy and inspiration come from? Well, I think it, it was exactly what you just said, is that I was working with a young person who in those days perhaps wouldn't have identified as genderqueer or trans, but mm. perhaps vaguely was, but did begin to identify as a lesbian. And I was mentoring them for 18 months. And um, I realized that, yeah, I could be helpful, but I was an adult, you know, older, much older. Mm. And this young person needed other young people. And mm. that, that was just so screaming at me that I can only do what I can do. So I thought I've got to find a group for this young person. And then there was vaguely a group around, but it wasn't really the sort of group I think this young person could have gone to. And so I just, um, I was in the Young People Centre, that's where we began, sitting, talking to the manager, saying, what, there's no group for LGBT people? You know, it's impossible for young people. They need, you know, there must be somewhere. And there really wasn't. So I was sitting there and there happened to be sitting there a youth worker a gay guy. And I said, well, we've got to have one. So I'm going to set it up. And he said, Jess, you set it up. <laughs> I'm with you. And then Joe, who was the manager of the um, Young People Centre, said, well, we'll give you space for nothing. So wow. that was it. We began. That's incredible. We, we started the group the next week. And how long had you been in <clears throat> youth work previous to starting Dying. the group? <laughs> youth work? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that an insensitive question? No, I think this is going to be part of what will come out. Is No, no, James was a postman and a part-time youth worker, but mm -hmm. very much a postman. And I was an artist, a painter. And oh. so I knew nothing about charities, youth work. I knew a bit about helping because I helped with Switchboard mm -hmm. and I'd been a very active feminist and helped set up a rape crisis line and a lesbian line and... A, in those days, we had to fight for abortion rights even. So, you know, I'd been very active politically and also helping. I worked for Samaritans. But no, I had no idea. You know, as far as I was concerned, we were just going to do loads of art. Yeah, just get the paints out every session. Seriously, that's what Quite I was artists. doing with the young person I was mentoring. We were just doing art, nothing yeah. but art. And do you think that being LGBT gave you that connection to a young person in a way that maybe would have been more difficult for other people who go into youth work, do you think? Or? Unquestionably. I mean, I was paired with this young person on mm -hmm. the basis that they thought that my identity would match their identity somehow. This young person had a complex identity. And there's no question of it. And also just role modelling. As a mentor, you're allowed to do things that youth workers aren't allowed to do. So, you okay. know, I could give them my clothes. It's like a, you're not a friend, you are a mentor, but it's a close relationship and it's a bit familial. So the fact that I could role model that it's completely okay to be me. I was very comfortable being me, you know, outrageously comfortable, a little bit annoyingly <laughs> outrageously comfortable. Yeah, and so good. that was great for this young person. So, you know, they were able to really emerge strongly of going like, so I'm fine. It's like, yeah, you're fine it's the world that's wrong yeah yeah that's definitely something that still feels the same as all sorts does today in a different capacity because it's it's larger and it works in a different way but that idea that you can go to a space and you can interact with people who like you have an intrinsic link with them because you share the same community and being able to just have a chat with someone who's maybe 20, 30 years older than you, still talking about what it means to be queer or even little bits of your life that aren't necessarily linked to that part of your identity, 
but there's a shared experience there Absolutely. that just makes it such a unique space. Mm. Which doesn't mean to say that all the other aspects of our identities are somehow discarded. Mm. You, know, no. you know, we are we have many different selves, mm. but it's a really big important one to share. Yeah, I think it can mm. make you feel very at home and very safe. And that's I mean that's one of my that's the parts idea. Of all sorts. That's the hope at oh. all sorts. It's good you've got that. Well, for me mm. anyway, <laughs> I definitely feel safe. And did you ever imagine that it would grow into what it is now when you oh, started? No. no, not at all. The first gift that anybody gave us was a ream of pink paper. The, the head of the youth service thought that was an appropriate thing to bring around to my house. We ran all sorts from my front room. Wow. But, you know, this gift of paper was like, oh, my God, we've got paper. This mm-hmm. is fantastic. I didn't have any paper, you know, to write letters and print things on. And then uh, somebody gave us a grant for five grand and we bought a computer and we're like, we've got a computer. First we have paper. Now we've got a computer. Oh my word, this is incredible. And then the next grant we got was for £220,000. So we went from nothing to, oh my God, what are we going to do now we've got all this money? So that was a very desperate time for me because Jamie was like, well, don't look at me. (laughs) So I was like, well, all right. So, um... Google how to set up a charity. <laughs> oh, crumbs, it's difficult. <laughs> I need a board of trustees, what are oh, they? Oh, I mean, seriously, it was like, board of trustees. Oh, my God, we need rules. Rules? That's you know, something I, <laughs> a word I could hardly spell. <laughs> so it was very daunting. And it did take a long time. I mm. think I worked at it for about nine months. Just not knowing even the words, the right words. People would use words like somebody used the word statutory. I was like, what is that? Is that to do with art, statues, art? You know, I had no idea of statutory meant. <laughs> it was embarrassing. We were embarrassing. But, you know, our fervour meant that people forgave us our ignorance. I think that's a really interesting thing as well, because it must be so, like, it must have been a very difficult thing to do. And making charities and setting up charities inaccessible actually can stop people that need charities the most getting help. If, for example, if you hadn't had the space or the time to learn all those things you wouldn't have been able to help all sorts grow to where it is and you can only really do that with a place of privilege so it's really lucky I think that you were in a space where you could do that and obviously Mm -hmm. you were educated and you could do reading and you learned a lot of stuff that really helped you build the charity which might not have happened if someone else was in a position of wanting to. I've never thought of it like that but I think that's very true. We were very blessed is how I look at it that Mm. the, the stars aligned and things dropped into our lap. And the mistakes we made, we weren't made to pay for our mistakes. We were a bit crazy. It's the and, way that it should be, though. Well, I, I do think it's very creative. Mm. And I think young people thrived in that very creative, rather chaotic environment. Well, that's what young people need, isn't it? That's what they have everywhere else, but it can be chaotic and also safe. <laughs> well, we, tried, we then realised we had to be chaotic as well as safe. And then we yeah. started to learn how to be safe. But that came slightly later. <laughs> So I know you mentioned with Ray how all sorts has developed and how at the beginning you had very few resources and how it expanded. How would you say all sorts has changed and how does it compare to how it was when it first started? Well, I think it's professionalised. I think there's no question that when we first started, we were a rabble. And that that was glorious, of course, because of so much freedom. But then we realised that we did have to really put some structures in and um, we tried to maintain, I've often said when um, visitors used to come in, not even in the early days, maybe 10 years ago, they say, look, 
I just want to warn you, it's going to look like it's chaotic, but it really isn't. That the slightest thing goes wrong, all kinds of amazing systems will come into play, and you'll see that we step in immediately and create perfect order. And I think that that was true, that we, we began to realise that you, you didn't have to sacrifice the freedom of the atmosphere as long as those that professional structure was in place sort of just under the surface so that it could spring into action if somebody was getting a little bit out of control, like kicking a football through a window. And so I think how it's changed is as it's got bigger and bigger, of course you have less freedom to be that wild. And so what I would say is that the processes have got firmer and stronger, more staff, more volunteers, as a lot more holding is going on. And I think also that the young people that come are different too. And there's a lot of change. I mean, we're talking about 20 years. And 20 years ago, the political scene was it was just so different. Remember, we didn't have the Equality Act. We had very few legal protections. We didn't have any of the laws that protect us. So we were still bohemian. And Brighton was a very bohemian city. And there was a lot of HIV AIDS issues going down. It was a very different atmosphere. And it's hard for me to connect the two worlds because now it almost feels very safe all sorts feels like it's very safe whereas I feel when we first started we were very cutting edge so how would you say your services have varied since the beginning of the project we've got more inclusive I mean unquestionably at one level I mean I say that we're more inclusive in the sense that we we became explicitly t-inclusive which trans-inclusive which we we weren't and very few projects were this was an emerging identity. Of course, it wasn't emerging to those people that had those identities, but it was quite a hidden identity and a very, very strongly persecuted identity. And so was LGB, but this, I think, was another order. And I think that that's been one of the things we've done in the last 10 years that has been vital. And I think we've still got a way to go. Yeah, just more inclusive, more varied. We, we can do more because we're so much bigger. What kind of but, services uh, did you start to offer at the beginning of the project? Biscuits, tea, fruit juice. Yeah, we're pretty primitive in those days. (laughs) A lot more talking because the group was smaller. Very often we'd just be sitting in the room having a conversation with all of us. And that, of course, was wonderful. Now it needs to be and is more structured. So the sessions are thought through. I mean, you don't think I ever planned a session, do you? (laughs) <laughs> it's like, right, what are we doing today? Five minutes before session opens. Right, I think that's what we'll do today. But it would be very vague. And that worked. I'm not diminishing what we did, but you couldn't do that now. There's much more demand. As I say, the whole project has become much more professional. How um, many people did you have at the start of the project? Uh, we had myself and two workers and a small group of volunteers, some of whom are still with us. So it's really changed. Yeah, since... we now have staffed in 14, I think. And also the young people. I mean, if we had 15 young people coming, we were really happy. Whereas now, I think we had 100 in a whole year, not 100 in a two weeks. <laughs> but we were small. Yeah, I think that the visibility of the service has definitely been great, though, Cheers, because yeah. although there has been a great influx in the number of young people, it's really needed. Oh, hugely yeah. needed. And we were so small, we didn't really have the capacity to advertise. We weren't in schools. Schools, certainly, that would not have been possible to be in schools. I mean, it was a very different climate. So why do you Mm. think that the project is needed personally? I think the politics has changed. I think it is better. We're not as outside the law as we were. I think the legal changes, I don't know if you feel them, that perhaps it's not so noticeable to you, but for me, having lived much more outside the law, having to lie about my identity, having to 
And I can remember one time going to A&E and knowing that it was really important that I lied about who I was. I knew I wouldn't get to my partner if I said my partner's lying there bleeding. I knew they wouldn't let me in. So I said I was my partner's sister and that got me in. Now, you know, something like that is shocking if your partner has been in a serious accident. It's shocking that at a hospital they would block you from going to see your, your partner. But that's the sort of experiences were absolutely normal. So I think that the changes are so massive in the external environment that obviously all sorts has reflected those changes. But I don't want to say it's easier. I think that would be a travesty of so many young people's experience to say it's easier, it's different. And in a way, more can come out now so that if there are mental health issues, it's safe to explore them. I think maybe in more my time and in the early days, nothing was safe. It wasn't safe to be LGBT at all, anywhere. And so you, you had to be very, not repressed, but you had to hold yourself together because nobody was going to really support you. And now I think it's safer to be able to say, I'm struggling with this and I need help with this. And that's probably true of mental health in general. That's also been very stigmatised. So now I think mental health issues is, is much more, we're allowed to talk more. I think we can both agree that the ideal world is one in which there is no all sorts because it's not needed anymore. Mm, yes. But obviously that would be quite a bittersweet thing for you. How do you think you would feel if someone came up to you in 20 years and said, we don't have anyone coming anymore because they don't need the service? I'd feel fantastic. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we'd set up a, the all sorts art group. It's there for its for a purpose. And I don't even want young people now to need us. I want them to come briefly, get what they need from us, make lots of fabulous friends mm. and go out there and thrive. It's like a bit like saying we don't need hospitals. You know, it'd be fabulous. We never needed to go to hospital. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, how fabulous. We don't need to go to hospital anymore. I'm concerned that this isn't going to happen. I mean, mm. what I'm concerned about is, I know we're not going to talk politics, but I'm concerned about what's happening now, which does seem to me a bit of a reaction against equalities and diversity yes. and inclusion. And so I think you are going to need all sorts for a while yet. Mm. But maybe 20 years, I don't know. Maybe 20 years there won't be a planet so we have to keep things in perspective. Yeah, it's scary, isn't it? I think it can be quite frustrating as a young person because, like you were saying, obviously the climate and the political climate specifically, but also the so social side of being LGBT has changed so much from when you mm. set up all sorts. But to see everything backsliding, it's just really upsetting. Cause but I also wonder, taking a really big view, do things really ever backslide can you put things back into a bottle once you've taken it out and I'm not sure once you've made it legal for people to marry once you've changed the law I don't know that young people in this country would allow the law to change again mm. I mean I'm thinking for example about abortion rights you think of what's happening in America and you have to keep fighting for yeah. your rights you can never assume that your rights are they're fragile mm. and yeah. So I, I, while I think things will get better or are getting better and better, there are forces that want to drag us back. But my honest belief is that you can't drag us back. We would never allow it. And we, you know, we would fight more fiercely. You know, we, we have wonderful models of fighting. Mm. And when I think of all the LGBT people living in countries where they have no rights, we must be very inspired by our freedoms, but also very responsible for their lack of freedom. So we must think globally as well that you've got to keep going. You've got mm -hmm. to keep being passionate about human rights. 
So do you think it's our responsibility as people with privilege to live in a country where it is legal for people to get married, to mm. be visible and fight for those who don't yes, have those opportunities? I do, but I also think you must I think this this sense that we talk about privilege and owning our privilege is very important, but we must never deny the fact that people are still suffering. Mm -hmm. People who have that privilege in this country are still suffering and are still distressed. So yes, and so the kind of the ideal trajectory is that you begin distressed and lost, you come to all sorts, you find a lot of friends mm -hmm. and you have some wonderful role models, you get empowered and then you are ready to say, right, now I'm ready to go out there and fight for the rights of whoever. I mean, I'm particularly upset and angry about the status of refugees in this country and asylum mm -hmm. seekers. We do need to always balance our own injury and distress with the injury and distress of others and not be too lost in our own distress, but not deny our distress, because mm -hmm. that's not good either. But yeah. always balancing by perspectives, keeping aware of what's going on in the bigger picture. I think all sorts is a really interesting space in that regard, because having been taken away from it being political specifically, mm. it isn't as much about that fight, about going out to marches, about mm. being part of political groups, being part of feminist groups or whatever it is that wherever your activism lies, it is more subtle in the way that it gives you the strength to do that. Exactly. It creates a safe space where you can go and you can hang out with people mm. and you can just chat about anything and it doesn't have to be political and it doesn't have to mm. be about identity and I think sometimes having that space where you can own every part of yourself means that when you do have to go out into the world that doesn't quite understand you can say I have the strength to talk to you to try and explain to you to try and teach you what, what it means to be me because I have spaces where I can feel completely at home and at mm. peace and I think that's a really incredible thing to have did you have anything like that, a space where you could just go and kind of recharge and rest? Not as a young person. No, not at all. I mean, my experience was one of just complete persecution. There was nothing. It was very difficult. I think it was unspoken, unspeakable. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was impossible for me to use the word lesbian when I was at university. I think the women's movement was my way in to find a space to talk. But even then, even within the women's movement, there was tremendous homophobia. Mm. As we see now, it's all very tricky stuff. Yeah. No, there wasn't. But I think that, you know, I'm a different generation. And if I think of the generations 20 years older than me and 40 years older than me, mm. and I think of what they endured, it's like my life was very easy. Everything's relative. You know, it's relative in terms of geography. You need to think about your own location and mm. the privileges you have and then look around you geographically and see what's going on in Syria and Kurdistan and you, know, you need to be aware of these things mm. but also in history you need to think this is a perspective in time you know here I am here now and there they were then and then you will be in the future so everything gives a perspective on the present moment and the present location that relativizes and I think that's important to always keep balancing yourself so yes I can think oh my god you know my Young adult life was really tough, mm. but it wasn't as tough as Oscar Wilde's. You know, I mean, I know he was a pretty mm. privileged guy, but, you know, he, did, he was imprisoned, you know. So, and also for me, a lot of what relativized my experience as a lesbian was all my friends becoming HIV positive and lots of people dying. I mean, yeah. the, the AIDS crisis is 
almost, you know, it, it's almost impossible to describe what that was like. Your friends were there one week and they were dead the next week. So that relativized our experience as lesbians because my partner and I definitely were like, who gives a shit what's going on for us? Because our friends are dying and then they go pretty high up on your agenda. Yeah. And so I think that, again, it's taken a long time. You know, there was feminism, so that was a space for us up mm. to a point. And then there was this terrible, terrible disaster of this illness. I think a lot of women shelved whatever their lives were. I mean, I certainly, for five years, my whole life was completely dominated by HIV AIDS. Um, and it had to be. You absolutely did not have a choice there. Mm. So, again, it's all about relative, being aware of your own experience and your own distress, but also balancing it with what other people are experiencing. And I think that's what creates a really deep community. There's a very nice Jewish saying, which is, if I'm not for myself, then who shall be for me? But if I'm only for myself, then what am I? That sings to me yeah. all the time, that saying. I guess growing up in the time that I did was very different because I can't comprehend what that would have been like. And I'm incredibly lucky to not have to try and comprehend what that was like. I think it's very interesting being a young person, being LGBT, and often feeling like there is this disconnect with other people in the community because something so huge happened and it's not something people can talk about sometimes or want to talk about mm. and obviously that's understandable but we just don't understand it like we can't get it because mm. as much I mean you can read things and you can talk to people but I think it can create quite a large space between us that's and older members of the community mm. which is really upsetting because there is specifically in Brighton we have such a large community well, of Brighton was very people. hard hit <clears throat> yeah. yeah and that is something that's I mean as a youth president I went to the World AIDS Day vigil and I read some names and it just went on and on and you know there's people mm. there who those were their siblings their parents mm. you know their children and because it was so huge I think we can't sometimes connect through mm. that because it changed our perspective of being in the community in such a large way sometimes for some people mm. I think there is this feeling of what do you know of of this community you weren't there mm. for this thing this massive thing that happened to us mm. and I think that's really sad because it means that sometimes young people don't feel that they can connect with older members of the community. That's so interesting. I mean, maybe that's something we should think more about because I think, you know, we were just talking about perspective and I think that when I was in my early 30s, I had a lot of experience of death mm. and funerals and more death and illness. And I think that, again, gave all of us another perspective. A sort of, It's a very big perspective of finality. Yeah and shortness of life and making the most and putting energy into things. You know, people's lives were very short. Mm. And so I think that's important, but I also think that it's something to bear in mind that it was a trauma. Everybody was traumatized. And although, thanks be to God, um, they did develop drugs relatively quickly. It didn't save a lot of the people that I knew, yeah. but it also did save quite a lot of my friends who were still alive. You know, I think to hear you say that perhaps there's a bit of a disconnect here. And I think it's worth remembering that in a, any small community, which we are really, a trauma is, is often dealt with through silence because it can't be spoken about because it's too painful. And that there will come a moment when my generation 
will be able to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. And so uh, please don't think that somehow the young people aren't talking about it. It's, you know, that I think this happens after any collective catastrophe, that y- you have to recover and you have to build a new life. And I think there's no question that was a huge motivation for me with all sorts. Another bigger motivation was having seen, you know, having experienced this. I hope it doesn't sound too glib to say that I think being around a lot of death and a lot of suffering does actually give you a lot of energy. Because, Mm. and this is why, you know, I'm wearing my little Jewish sign that says for life. Because the more you're around death, you are like, my God, right, come on, let's live, because we owe it to live and be alive mm. and make things better. We can do incredible um, things we with can, the time yeah, that we have. We've only, you know, look how much time we've got yeah. compared to our friends who are gone. And those days also, HIV was still an issue for young men. When we first set up all sorts of HIV, we got a lot of HIV funding, for example, because this was still a, a big risk, and we, we had to, a threat rather, to our young men, and so mm. we had to be very inside that world and supportive of a lot of educational programs and so I think that you know it's not that disconnect is there also because my generation just as the older ones that I knew had to get over criminalization can you imagine the stigma of criminalization in imprisonment we have to get over it and I'm sure now as so many of our friends who are surviving are still surviving we're getting over it and then we will be able to share more And I'm glad. I don't want you to have to have that experience. It was a unique thing that happened and Mm. a terrible thing. I just think it's incredible that you created a space where those kind of conversations can start to happen because Mm. there's not really any other place for that. This Mm. conversation between us, for example, never would Mm. have happened without what you started. And that's, Mm. I don't know, thank you, I guess, for creating that space. It's a joy. It's been (laughs) an absolute joy. We ask this question to all the volleys when they get interviewed for all sorts, so I think you have to be asked it now. If you were a ghost, where would you haunt? Well, I definitely will haunt the all sorts office. (laughs) I will be the ghost of chaos present (laughs) past. And I will, every now and then, things will fall off people's desks and they go, what's happening? Because their desks will be so neat. Um, and I would just really? shuffle their <laughs> shuffle their papers around and just create a little bit of naughtiness to remember me by. Back to the actual questions. What are your all sorts highlights? That's really difficult because for the first half of my 20 years at all sorts, I was working with young people. And if you're working with young people, every day is a highlight because it's yeah. it's such fun. But, you know, and this is the extraordinary thing about all sorts. I've never had more fun. But I've never been involved in things that are more difficult and challenging and at times upsetting because a lot of young people, as you know, that have come to all sorts have been, have suffered, really suffered and they're distressed. On the other hand, they're young and they're full of life and resilient and hopeful and joyful and easy to get to laugh. And so those, you know, all those moments that I can remember of all these hundreds of different young people, glorious, glorious people. And please God, they're all fine and they're thriving and and they should be because they're all extraordinary people. So that just working with those wonderful people is unforgettable and so enriching of my life. Although my job was to support them, it's actually hugely enriched my life. And also for the second half, I worked more with the staff team. We've always had the most fantastic staff team and extraordinary, original, interesting people. And so, so many of my highlights, just silly, crazy things in the office, Ben bringing me a little old lady thing to stick on the top of my pen. You know, all those little moments that just make you so happy 
when you're working in a reasonably stressful environment. I think that it's true that it's reasonably stressful for the staff, but it's also, again, full of lively energy and fun. But I think that's, that's in a way, it's too superficial an answer. And that if I really reflect on the moments that have meant the most to me, I think it is individuals' journeys. And when I've seen, I can think of a couple of young people whose the adversity that they faced was so overwhelming that I certainly didn't think either of them would. Well, I thought they would never thrive, and I wondered whether they would be able to survive. And both of them, in those days, we did a bit more advocacy, a bit more informal advocacy, and both of them went through the criminal justice system. And one of them I spent a lot of time with because it was quite a serious charge. And they did get sent to prison. And you know, we did everything in our power, and the barrister did as well, to try to lobby the judge not to give a custodial sentence. And this young person did get a custodial sentence. And I did feel very broken-hearted for them. But this is what gives you such confidence in life. I then saw that young person again when they came out of prison. They'd learned an incredible skill, and they had set up their own business. And they were more than thriving. They were just doing brilliantly. And I don't think there would be hardly a young person in the country who had faced the adversity they had faced. Terrible, terrible experiences. And there they were, somehow making what we thought at first was a disaster prison sentence, making that work for them, and then creating a new life. So I think, if I think about why that's a highlight, it's because it's it's so hopeful and it's so you can generalise from it. You know, here's a person who can't, nobody could survive this. They survived. Nobody could thrive having experienced that. They thrived. So you just think, well, if that can happen, we can change everything. We can yeah. do everything. We can help every young person. It's okay. You're going to be okay. So I think that was one of my highlights. And another highlight was another young person who I remember being in the police station and then in the magistrate's court with them and being so angry at how they were being treated. There is no question they were being victimised for being a lesbian. There was no question, and I was constantly saying, in my opinion, you are victimising this young person because of their sexual orientation. And police just, you know, in those days, they, they didn't care about <laughs> stuff like that. And then they, in fact, didn't get a custodial sentence. But then I got a wonderful picture one day, just came into work, and there was a picture of this young person with their baby. Just radiant, a <laughs> radiant baby. And it was just like, you know, yes! Again, you went through absolute hell. Things could have gone very wrong for you, but you survived and you triumphed. And here you are, happy with your baby. Yeah, so it's those incredible. moments that make you think, we must do this work. You know, we must help each other because look at the difference it can make to people's lives when the world has been very tough on those people. So I think those two are what I go back to when I think 20 years in this job, founding this project, what was it all for? And you think, well, I'm very clear what it was all for. If there was a box of tools that you could leave for the project's future, what would you put in it? I think that I'd want to be specific about what I've brought to the project. You know, we've had such incredible staff team and everybody's brought the most incredible things. We are such different characters and been a wonderful team. And, you know, and the whole point about a team isn't that you're all the same. The whole point is that you balance each other out and together you form a very strong unit. But what could I leave in a toolbox that would be specific to me? And it would be my sort of final reflections as I'm leaving now. And I've been, you know, this has been my job for 20 years. It's been a vocation almost to do this. I felt a great responsibility to do it. And I, if I look back at myself and my contribution, 
I think that the fact that I came to it as an artist, not as a professional, has made its mark on all sorts. And I think the culture of all sorts is colourful. And and I think well, (laughs) and colour. If you say colourful, you mean diverse and different and contrasting and warm and cool and all the different things that colours can be. So I'd want all sorts to remain colourful and brave and not worry about making mistakes too much. Like artists are, you know, that one's vision of an artist is someone who just gets out there. There's nothing there, and you just make something. And to have that spirit of energy and passion and commitment. But more than all of that, what All Sorts has stood for in my life, and I hope stands for in its small world that it's in, in Brighton and beyond, is values. And I know values is a word that we tend to associate with very conservative people, but I think it's really important to have strong values and to believe in them. And so to believe in things like fairness and justice. And if I was to say what my favourite word in the whole world is, so it would be the biggest tool in the toolkit, would be just the word justice. Is this fair? Is this just? And if it's not just, what are you going to do about it? Well, I guess the first thing to say is thank you, Jess, for coming and chatting to us today. We hope you enjoyed being interviewed by some of the young people that now attend the wonderful service that you set up over 20 years ago. That is insane and so cool. And yeah, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for interacting with me in such interesting way. It's been fantastic. It's been really interesting getting to know you and interviewing you because we've never actually interacted before. And it's just been fascinating to see how the project has developed over the years, really. Yeah, I mean, we have actually interacted before, but it was when you showed off at TAG once when I was 15, because we'd been making so much noise that everyone in the office could hear us. (laughs) And you were so surprised that TAG had gone from like three people to like, I think that day, I think there was 25 of us. And we were running around like crazy (laughs) in the garden, but you know. Wonderful. I think it's been great to chat about loads of things different things things we planned and things that just kind of came up and also to get to know you a bit better and for all of our listeners to get to know you too and why this wonderful project now exists for people to use and how it came about so thank you for everything but specifically for coming today because chatting was very fun and i'd like to say a huge thanks it's been such an amazing experience working with all of you young people doing the interviews and Lucy doing the awesome job of sound tech and keeping us on track, um, setting up all of the kits, knowing how the equipment works properly. We could not do this without you, Lucy, so a huge thank you. And it's also a real amazing experience to be here as a member of staff and seeing the project develop and having the joyous experience of working closely with Jess six or seven years ago and still being here now and seeing the project change and develop in so many ways. I'm very excited about the future because of how much it's already developed and each new venture is amazing and also culturally talking about and hearing about experiences that Jess has had and then experiences that you're having and sort of my generation somewhere roughly in the middle and being able to relate to both and thinking of how I might have been if all sorts had existed when I was the right age for it or if I knew about it. And it's just such a joy to be part of it. And I'm excited for the future. This has been All Sorts of Thoughts. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And catch our next episode coming to you on Spotify soon.
you to listen in to all sorts of thoughts. Email us on podcast at allsortsyouth.org.uk. Tweet us on allsortsyouth and rate us by tweet or email. Check our website for info on our groups and all that we do at www.allsortsyouth.org.uk. A big thank you to our funders, the Sussex Community Foundation. We hope that you enjoyed our show. We would love to hear any feedback from you.